Welcome to the first NSB podcast. With me today is Paul Sanders, our associate pastor, Joel Kobosh, our next generation leader, and Little Wells. It's good to see you guys today. How's everybody doing? Doing well. We're doing fine. Good All right. Special yeah. Well, is, that, is, this our, is this our special guest in the podcast today? Featured speaker. He's our, he's our, what, what, what expertise is he bringing? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> complete faith and trust. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are in a series through the prophet Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. And Joel actually kicked off the series for us a few weeks back. And the series title is Refine Our Hearts. And so, this, yeah, I mean, our, our prayer should be. God, refine us, purify us, make us the people you want us to be. And so the prophet Malachi is addressing God's people, and we've established that this is likely after the exile, after God's people had been taken into captivity, and then by God's grace, they're allowed to go back into the land, and there's kind of a cold-heartedness, uh, an apathy amongst God's people. And so God is addressing his people through the prophet Malachi, and um, we've had three installments in the series so far. So let's just have some interaction about this. Uh, guys, what, what, what's kind of struck you so far um, that, that we've seen as we've been going through Malachi? Uh, I think that just in my own study of beginning the first thing, I've just, uh, I just a reminder of our relationship with God and and I think really how special that relationship is. The fact that we have a relationship with a, a holy God who loves us unconditionally, is completely faithful, despite our often failing him, as we see Israel often fail him. And I think it's the same for us. We often fail him and, and don't love him like we should. And so I think it's been... It's been a, a challenge to see that, uh, uh, an encouragement, but also a challenge. It's, it's remarkable to me that there is someone like God who has made the universe, who, who has chosen me, chosen us, those of us who have accepted Jesus as a Savior. He chose Israel, and Israel is, a, is an example of while him, cho him choosing us, us now, the new covenant, part of the new covenant, all of us, and I, I wonder, and I, I don't, I wonder why I was chosen, and I certainly I didn't have anything to do with it, because he chose me before the beginning of time, right? That's what we, we were told in, in the New Testament, and he chose, as he says at the beginning of the book, he chose Judah rather than he chose Esau. It was just a, you know, it was he chose the twin that came out last. And, and and that became the the, the the nation of Israel from that from that little boy. I I, I don't understand it. I don't and that, that's part of the mystery and also a little bit of scary, um, in a sense. But it also, since we we're chosen, then that what what uh, Mike, uh, Malachi talks about is that you know we're not doing a good job of it, and and I think that the children of Israel were having a hard time. We have a hard time t doing our part and, and, and keeping up our side of the covenant. 
a real hard time. Yeah, I mean, we all, I mean, I think the, the struggle with sin is not specific to one generation of people. And we see it in the Old Testament with, with God's people, Israel. They, they were prone to wander, just like we're prone to wander. And I think of Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 53, he says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And even God's people, you know, we're, we're new covenant people, right? So we're, we, we've received the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And even as children of God, even as believers in Jesus, sometimes we wander. And, and God is gracious. I mean, just as he was gracious to his old covenant people, Israel, and, and God doesn't discard us. He doesn't throw us away. But he does call us to repentance. And so Malachi, as he's addressing God's people, um, I mean, the, the call is for them to stop doing the things that are not okay, right? For the priests to stop bringing these inferior sacrifices. For these men who are not being faithful to, the, to, the, to their wives to, to be faithful, right? I mean, is that... Do we see that clearly that that as they're as they're being addressed on their sin, that they're being called to to turn and to repent? Yes, very definitely. Uh, that's that's always a call, and and it's a call that we need to heed daily, right? Because if we don't heed it daily, then we start coming up with excuses why we're not doing it. And excuses can be more just like, hey, things aren't working out, so let me try something different. And it's really seen because in divorce and marriage and and and, and that that's a, that's a sin that you can see readily, right? It's not it's not a not a not a, a secret sin. It's a it's a sin you see and see going on when people break up. Very visible, horrible things happen. When I say horrible, it's it's not fun to being being a child of a, of a divorce, nor is it being fun to be be party to divorce. And so God says, you, you're essentially divorcing me, the way you treat me, and you're doing divorcing your wives. But when you divorce your wives, you're also divorcing me, meaning you're breaking your covenant with me as well breaking your covenant with, with your wives, simply because you want something better. You think something better is out there. So, so yeah. you think, so, so why is that? I mean, why do we see, well, why is it that we're so easily tempted to wander from God's plan for marriage. I think it's just our own our own, you know, selfishness and, and pride in our, our hearts that that leads us astray. You know, even even from the very beginning, that was what the first uh, sin in the garden was they were tempted with being gods themselves basically and making decisions for themselves and, and finding a better way instead of trusting and obeying what God's, you know, perfect plan for their life. And I think that's, that's what a lot of life comes down to is we just, we get tired of hearing God's way or we don't, we trust God's way. And so we say, there's got to be a better way. And I know that way. Or, and I think I, that was one thing I touched on even in, in one of the sermons was the idea of how, how quickly we, we twist the storyline as soon as things don't go our way. And you saw that with, and, and part of that is even understanding the relationship with Jacob and Esau is 
is we we say how could god hate somebody and it's like well the the, the story if we twist the storyline and start with god should love everybody and 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 the reality is we god does love everybody but we all we all deserve we've all sinned against god so we deserve judgment so the fact that god shows mercy to any of us is god's grace and love to us and so right i i i was reading that uh that, you know there's a, there's a big real trend now in the in the 50s and 60 years olds um where people that maybe have been divorced a couple times and and they're in their 60s and maybe 70s um uh, you know, so people around my age are younger, a little younger. And what they're doing is that they're partnering, but they're not living together. And I, and, and the, the reasons for them doing that was fascinating because, Joel, it's exactly what you're saying. They said, well, because we don't want, we like what we, our own space. We want to do our own thing. I want to watch TV all day and and, and and one wants to watch TV, the other one wants wants to do her crafts and things like that. And they don't want to. They just meet up together for, I guess, for dinner and maybe for for sleeping together. And then they go their own separate ways the rest of the week. They don't even need to call each other. Now, what is that? What kind of relationship is that? It's one of convenience, right? It's one of everything's going my way and I do my way, my thing, and I don't have to get along with anybody. I don't have to uh, uh, figure out how to, how to deal with them. Right. I don't have to figure out how to get along and, 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 and I start changing my ways and start being kind and loving and thinking somebody else. It's, 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 it's as selfish as you can be. And it's, 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 it's a hallmark of somebody who says I'm my own God. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to pay attention to anybody else. I think what's interesting too is somehow we think that we can do a better job and it's like there's got to be somebody, there has to be an ultimate truth. There has to be somebody actually establishing some sense of order and, and God did that. We see God created that. But And when people try to create their own order, then everybody can create their own order and you know, it just, it just, I think it's evidence of, of the fact, of proof of, of God being our creator. And But I saw something recently. Are you guys familiar with um, the, the guy who wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris? Yeah. Did you see the, the post about him, like, basically saying he's no longer a Christian? Yeah. And this guy was, he, he like, up until, like, I think, like, 2014 or so, he was a pastor. And it's like, I mean, I haven't like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's accurate information, but I mean, I just don't, how in the world, I mean, like, how do you go from being on the one hand, a pastor to then I'm not even a Christian. And who is this, the guy who wrote the book? He wrote a book, um, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It's from like, it's like years ago though. And that book goes way back. And did you see that? Um, it was a pretty reliable source, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, and whatever it was, it was it was like a snapshot of his Instagram post. So yeah, that's yeah. usually pretty reliable. But yeah, I, I saw that. It made me think about that too, because I think it's just like over time. Sometimes we just get beat down with culture because a lot of what he said too was like, I I'm he apologized to the different communities because basically his book is endorsing to to not date uh, like 
in high school, I think was the main thing, basically, you know, like, and, and then he was basically apologizing to people on his view of marriage that he promoted in the book. And it, yeah, it was, but I think it just like, it, we just, the culture beats us down and we start to think, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is the better way. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I agree. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was, I was, um, and I'm not familiar. Are you guys familiar with patheos.com? Are you all familiar with patheos? I, I don't I don't know. I, I just was I pulled it up on my phone, but I I think that was the place I read the article and, and there was a question there that really made me think. Like it was really kind of a kind of like a, a reflective type question. It asked like something about how many pastors are preaching who don't really love the Lord or some something like that. And I was like like just kinda like I don't know. And it was like and yet they they don't like I guess because of like they need income or whatever it is. They just stay in the position. I mean, I, I may be misrepresenting it, but that was kind of the gist of it, I think, where it was kind of like, and I don't know. I mean, it's like, I mean, I just, I mean, I mean, I am capable of, I mean, I, I have sinned greatly and I'm capable. I mean, I'll continue to sin. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not playing. I mean, it's not like I don't, I don't have like a schedule of like, okay, I'm going to sin in this way at this particular time, but I know I'm going to sin. I mean, I don't plan on having like a total meltdown. I don't plan on like just totally like, you know, abandoning the faith. But I cannot imagine like getting to a place of saying, I am no longer a Christian. I, I don't know. I just. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, what's happened here is God's people have like. I mean, you think about they should know better because they're back in the land they went into exile because of their covenant disobedience, right? And now they're back in the land, and it's like they're doing it again. Right. What they're upset about is that is that uh, they're not they're a weak nation. They they don't they're not uh, a conquering nation. Not like they felt they were promised. Their temple isn't filled with the glory. It's it's just a common ordinary building now. It's not really a, the greatest great building that was torn down, and um, and that that's what they were hanging their hat on, not on on their relationship with God, not on uh, following God, even though things might turn out to be hard on them when they're following God. In other words, if you have to give your best, then you have to then you have to eat the second best, right? You give your best to God, then you have to you have to do a second best. Is that <laughs> makes sense and so if if you as a pastor um you know you're mouthing these words but you're not giving your best to god you're just giving you're just putting in your nine to five or whatever and, and getting up on sunday morning because you do a good job preaching and then it, you, you can fall into that as, as easy as anybody any of the rest of the christians sitting in front of you <laughs> are listening to you talk about from malachi you know, but but you're if if you as a but God sees what you're doing, and if you as a priest, as a as a pastor, and when I say you, I mean us, as pastors, if we start doing things what we you know our way, we we can go down the pathway of of total um, destruction ourselves, very easily, just like these priests did. Right. Yeah, and I think it's um, yeah we need accountability, right? I mean. I need accountability. We, we need accountability. And I mean, there's some level of accountability that that presents itself in different ways. I mean, 
I mean, if you show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you're bumbling through your sermon and it's like, okay, did he even like give five minutes to put this together? I mean, that there's some accountability there, but also, you know, if you're a capable speaker and you've got a, a, a good knowledge of, of scripture, I mean, you can lean on that and you can, you know, so I, I know for me, like one thing I have to be, you know, that I, I mean, like it's easy for me to be undisciplined and, and for me to, um, you know, just kind of have my mind and going in many different directions. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that accountability is important. And, and so, you know, we need accountability in our marriages. We need accountability in our finances. We need accountability in, in, in all of life. And so. I think that one of the things that, that very easy to do as a, as a pastor uh, is, is try not to offend when you're up there speaking. Because people get offended pretty easily these days. If you say to them, well, you know, like you said Sunday, you say, well, you know, if you if you just divorce somebody because you got tired of them, uh, then that's not right. That's sin. And, and, and the way I said it was I also couched it in some humor, too. So. Right. But that that would that would make someone angry. They'll, they'll might post something about it because you you are espousing a way of, of thinking that is quote unquote traditional. And why aren't you being tolerant of the untraditional ways of doing things? Right. Yeah. I mean, you also mentioned the fact that marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, it, that's code word for saying, and, and, and when you, when you say that, what you're saying to us who understand what you're saying is anything else other than the marriage, marriage is, is not right. So you're saying there's a definite he and definite she. I was reading that uh, there's a handbook made, made now for corporations that have uh, 63 pronouns that people can choose from besides he and she. Why we got to complicate it, Paul? 63 pronouns because people want to be this and that and that and this, and you have to be able to recognize it and, and acknowledge that. And I'm saying to myself, I'm telling you, we, we're, we're doing, we're, you know, if somebody shows up to our church and starts listening to us, they're going to blast us like, you know, like we're hateful people. And I think that's some of what was going on. In fact, we know some of what was going on because we, as we read Ezra and Nehemiah, we know the people around them were saying, hey, you know, we don't like you around. You, you're, we, we want you gone. We don't want you there in, 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 in Judah. So it's easy to go out and marry people to, to be, be friendly with them and to develop alliances, right? And you forget what the real truth is. That's the slippery slope. But you know what, Paul? For us, like the three of us, we, um, we all accept the proposition that the text we're reading is the, the word of God. And, and we accept the proposition that the word of God is, is authorita authoritative throughout all generations. But if, if we didn't hold to that proposition, if, if we did not accept the authenticity, the authority of the word of God, if we didn't accept the Bible as truth, where would we have any, like, where would we establish any moral boundaries? And so I, I, I think that when we stop and consider the fact that if you don't accept the Bible to be truth, if you don't have any religious text, I mean, you know, 
if you don't accept any authoritative scripture, then who gets to decide these questions? Who gets to decide what constitutes marriage? Who gets to decide all these questions of, of, of morality? Right. I do. You do. Society does, right? Yes. And, and but once you start leaving that authoritative word and, 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 and trying to decide, you know, just pick and choose the passage you like, um, then you run into, into discontent. Uh, with what you have, and uh, you you justify your, dis your what you're doing because of your discontent. I, I I've I've been trying to memorize the verse. You know, uh, I've learned in whatever situation I am to to be content. Well, whatever situation I am to be content, that's not easy to do when things aren't going your way. For me, it's it was the pain I'm dealing with um, on a daily basis. So I am to be content. But God doesn't want us to be anxious about anything. He doesn't want us to be, he wants us to be content. I think that the when, when a Christian becomes discontented, then he's got to, you've got to, we've got to watch out. When we, we got to watch out ourselves. When that happens in our marriage, in our life situation, our disappointment with people, very easy in the church to get disappointed with people, right? They don't come through for you. They don't. They don't. They don't do things. They don't show up. Well, as soon as we evidence that anger or that discontentment, then I think that we we've got to watch out. It's a slippery slope from then on. Well, thank you both. This concludes our first NSB podcast. Until next time, have a great day, guys.